If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Gets off the Taylor. He's in. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Fires that way. Picked off. Darius Leonard at the five-yard line. Plants in the pocket. The Colts bring him down. A sack for Indianapolis. Steps up in the end zone. He throws. Michael Pittman. Touchdown. Let's get the podcast started. Hello, we are the podcast presented by WinBet, the official Colts podcast. I'm Matt Taylor. J.J. Stangovitz is along, Lair Overton as well. We're here talking about the Colts. The Colts are on the... Do it. Do it, Lara. Do it. How many times did you listen to this song as a freshman in high school? Oh, many times. I went to uh, I went to the concert. Did you? Oh, yeah, real big in sync fan. Did they stop at the Yum Center down in uh, Louisville? Uh, the Yum that Yum probably wasn't Center there yet, was right? Not there yet. I think we went to. Uh, gosh, where was it? You I think went it was to the at amphitheater the, in Cincinnati or no, something. No, right? no, it was still in Louisville, but it would have been at the. Uh, well, I'm going to think of the the old facility, but anyway, yeah, the the concert venue that was right there at the convention center. All that, yeah, big in sync fan. Back oh, I know. In the day. You were probably way, way bigger in in sync than Backstreet Boys. I definitely more of an in sync girl, although you know Backstreet had its time. Yeah, they were trailblazers. Uh, I actually won uh, some. A group of girlfriends and I won a radio contest in, what, in which we actually had to perform. <laughs> Form to get the tickets. So, yes. Perform the song? We, we did some sort of choreographed dance. Thank God oh, that God. Like, smartphones didn't exist. Where is then. this? I, this is in. Can we dig this up, no, please? Can we call your mom? I guarantee she no, still has it on no, VHS. No, no, Sandy was not recording for this. <laughs> but the radio station must have it. No. I don't, it was radio. Oh, like, my gosh. It's not a visual medium, so I don't know. I don't know. You had to come up. This, you know, there's like teenage girls, all kinds of kooky skits and antics yeah. trying to win in sync tickets. So, Do you guys remember that store, Venture? Oh, yeah. Remember Venture? It had the, like, the three slashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lara, give, give me some names, because I'm drawing a blank right now. Give me some names actor-wise. The male actors on 90210. Who, oh, are, who are those people? Like Jason Priestley. Yeah. Yes. Keep going. Keep um, going. Keep going. Well, my long story short, we're talking about '90s pop culture here. One of them was at the Venture down where I grew up in the in half Luke of the city Perry of Indiana. Yeah, who I'm that guy. Of. Luke Perry. He, he was. Ian Ziering was another, but yes. Luke, Luke Perry tragically he was doing passed like away. A, he was doing a like a ago. meet and greet at the Venture Very on the south side of Indianapolis. Very handsome, that Luke Perry. And yeah. he was like 10 years older than the rest of the cast, I think. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. The, time. yeah. Like, yeah like the entire older. south side of Indianapolis lined up to get this guy's autograph. Well, yeah. Like in 1999. And Adventure. I mean, uh, you could get everything. Yeah, Venture was legit, man. I Great. actually don't know what Adventure is. Uh, it's kind of like a Target or a... Oh, okay. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. an up, upper-scale Kmart Yeah, it was. It was probably somewhere between Target and Kmart. I went to like all the '90s things. Like I went to a Tiffany's concert. Like Tiffany, oh, yeah. I, I really Tiffany liked Debbie huge. Gibson. Now, when, when did you become cool? Were you always? I'm still cool? working on it. Were you always I'm cool, still, or did you grow into cool? Still trying. No, still working come on, on it. Now. This is a lifelong pursuit of uh, no, mine. No, I mean you're like on the homecoming court. You're the prom queen. I mean you're, you've always been cool. Um, I don't know. I don't know about that. I I am like kind of at my core. Like I remember like growing up. Like I re- I just like was all into like books and and yeah. like reading and doing my thing. And I I mean like you know I ran track and cross country. It's not like the coolest sport. You know, it's not like I did something like volleyball no, or diverse. basketball. You're but, diverse. You know, yeah, so. you're well rounded. Now, JJ, you did not strike me as an in sync guy. Uh, no. Yeah. No Justin no. Timberlake posters for you? No. I mean, I, freshman year of high school, you probably would have found me listening to some uh, hip hop that is aged really poorly, like <laughs> Ludacris, Ja Rule. It, it, oh, yeah. Ja Rule. I love Well, I, to- ja I told Rule. the Ja Rule story on this yes, podcast. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Um, yeah, yeah, the I, concert you went to that never happened. That right? I never saw Ja Rule. I yeah. went to a Ja Rule concert, never saw Ja Rule. It was great. And and this was in the year 2018, uh, not in 2002. Yeah, probably probably <laughs> in that realm. Uh, little, uh, you remember the Jagged Edge, Where to Party At? Yeah. Like, that was, that was a jam back then. All these songs wound up, by the way. At our wedding, we had, like, three bridges where the band needed to take a break. And I was like, I am picking these songs, and it's going to be all, like, just awful early 2000s rap <laughs> and everyone got into it it was Set great tone man. except for like our parents who were like yeah, i thought the- i thought we we were done with this <laughs> i thought we were done ever having to hear this song the again fa- this yeah, is a phase right 
Yeah, 90s pop culture. There's never a bad time to get into that, oh, although, man. you know, we're, we got to talk about the cult. So a lot coming up today here on this podcast. We're kind of putting things into perspective, certainly, as the Colts hit the bye week with only four games to play, hence the, the in-sync drop right there. So we're going to discuss that loss to the Cowboys, that fourth quarter unraveling. We'll also talk about the biggest priorities for the Colts that need to be sorted out before this season is over going into the offseason, and then finally we'll discuss where some of the Colts' rookies are at as we have hit kind of that three-fourths mark, that 75% uh, mark uh, through their first season with only four games to go. So before we get into all of that, Larry, you painted, I thought you did a great job the other night for those that, that stayed up and listened to the radio broadcast, Larry. I thought you painted a, a great picture late in the game on radio with your words. You talked about the Colts' sideline there in the fourth quarter during that avalanche from Dallas in terms of points, 33 points in the fourth quarter. Lara, where did where did Sunday night's game kind of rank on the not fun meter for the Colts and the sideline and then oh. going inside the locker room after that game? Oh, man. It was as dejected of an environment as I've been a part of this season. But, I mean, guys, there have been a few this year that I think back to. Like, I think back to Foxborough. That loss to New England was one of them. Yeah. The loss in Nashville against yeah. the Titans was another one of them. The loss in Jacksonville was pretty ugly, but it was still early enough that you felt like you could recover from it. So it wasn't quite yeah. I, it wasn't quite as bad, but there was still a humiliation factor when you get shut out in a divisional game. Um I will say that yeah, the the sideline it was contentious in that third quarter, there were a lot of guys going at each other, especially on the defensive side of the ball, kind of in each other's faces, trying to rally something. Uh, Matt Ryan was doing everything he could to try to keep this offense together from, you know, from kind of just crippling uh, it late in that game. Um, the, the It was one of those where... Man, it, it was really tough to kind of wrap your mind around how did we get here? Yeah. And through all of those situations that I have had a front row seat to, going into the locker room, one of the things I have to say is there have been guys who have stepped up and they've talked and they've answered yes. all the questions each and every time. So I'm grateful for that. And I really thought that, like, I spent, I don't know, five minutes or so with Kylan Granson and he was raw and he was candid and he was – kind of at a loss for words but also almost just venting about this the feeling the emotion what these guys are experiencing and this has been let's just say there's no better time to get this bye week yeah I, I totally agree with you Lara on that when when you know because I'm up in the press box during these games but then I'm down in the locker room talking to guys and I think on on you know you're right there have been some of those games I think that Titans game is probably the most dejected locker room I've been a part of. Yeah, for what that game meant. Yeah. Kind of symbolic, right? Right. But this one was the most embarrassed locker room I've I've been in. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and that's the exact word that Paris Campbell told me. You know, I like you talked with Kyle, and I had a really good chat with Paris in there where he, he was pretty open about, hey, that, I've never been on the side of one of these before. You know, and I think a lot of guys in that locker room never have because these guys all came through their high schools, their colleges at the top level of competition – and they've come to Indianapolis, and the Colts have been at the top level of competition for years. Well, no one's experienced a, a fourth quarter like that, period, because well, there right. haven't been many of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't look to many situations where something like that has happened. It's a two-point game. Right. You're a two-point conversion away from tying it going into the fourth quarter, and then you have that just absolute bloodletting of a fourth quarter. Yeah. I, so I, no one has been in that type of position. But, I mean, just to, even at the, with the final score of losing by 35 points, most of these guys have never seen that before. And that's because the Colts, for the last however many years, have been a winning team. The Colts last lost by 35 or more points in week one of the 2017 season. I believe the only guy who was on the field for both of those games would be Grover Stewart. And I don't. I mean, Grove was that was his first career game yeah. uh, in the NFL. So, you know, th- that just it maybe it, just, it was Ryan, Ryan Kelly. Kelly. Ryan, Ryan Kelly, Kelly would have been there. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Kelly would have been there. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I was just racking my brain. No, but I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if you're building a narrative about the Colts' season, like two things you can point to are, well, it came close, 
and they turned the ball over way too much. Yes. And, like, that yes. was a micro – what we saw Both. was Both. a microcosm of the Colts' season. The Colts were – they were close. Mm-hmm. They were a two-point conversion away from tying it. They were, you know, Isaiah Rodgers, like, a, a, a millimeter. Dude, that that happened right in front. That happened yeah. right in front of me. As close as J.J. is sitting to me right now, that, ha- that you're talking about the interception. Yeah. Because uh-huh. I'm calling it an interception. Like, that, that was unbelievable. So, that was everything right there. That was exactly how that game was going to go, right yep, there. Right, and it was like and everything went south after that. Right, yes. and and it did. And I mean, I think that. probably the Colts got it right. I think Jeff Saturday got it right, not challenging it because our own Matt Bowen got this incredible photo of Isaiah. This is an audio medium, but I'm showing Larry it right now. That ball yeah. is just, I mean, just barely on the ground. The call in the field is I an was incomplete about pass. five years. <sighs> I mean, I was I was just below, just behind him, I guess. Yeah, so I didn't have so he was shooting yep. at it from the offensive right. side. I was yep. well, I was standing within the secondary. I think that's one of those that if if Shit. if the call on the field is uh, interception, right, it's probably not getting overturned. Yeah, yeah. but the call on the field is an incompletion, mm-hmm. and it's probably not getting overturned. I think the Colts made the right call and not challenging it as difficult as that may have been. But then after it, you know, you have a third and ten to start the fourth quarter. Dak Prescott rolls to his right. He finds Michael Gallup for 17 yards. Next play, he hits um, – or he finds C.D. Lamb. Then he hits Michael Gallup for the touchdown. And yeah. Isaiah Rodgers admitted after the game that it was still kind of in his head of thinking he had that interception, and he wasn't – he he admitted he didn't do a good enough job of mentally moving out of the next play because mm-hmm. then he gives up the touchdown to Gallup. And it just that margin right there of like, oh, so close. Yeah. But then the avalanche of turnovers – well, that's also kind of been a defining part of the Colts' season so far. They lead the NFL with 26 turnovers this year. And the crazy thing is, as you know, you talked about, Lara, just the, the, the rare nature of that fourth quarter in a negative way for the Colts, giving up 33 points. It's not all on the defense, obviously. I mean, there's a right. lot of short fields and just a lot of craziness going on with the offense and the turnovers. I mean, four straight possessions. The Colts' offense turned the ball over. But the fact remains, the Colts in one single quarter allowed more points than they did in any game this season. Certainly a lot to uh, put into perspective this go-around here on this podcast. The Colts have the week off, so now they're going to— Can I just say one thing really quickly, going back to Dallas before we move forward? Please. The turnout from Colts fans, Mm -hmm. y'all were unreal. There were so many people who made that trip that I saw that I was able to. It's fantastic. Like, the the atmosphere down there, there are these field-level suites, and I see people there, and you're pretty close to the field from the fan perspective. So many people, those who stopped me to talk about listening to the podcast, listening to radio broadcasts, following everything on Colts.com, you guys are incredible. You had traveled in either from the Midwest or they're around the Dallas area who are Colts fans. You guys were fantastic, so really appreciate all of you who stopped to talk and say such nice things about oh, yeah. the, the work that we do. That was one of the things that I really thought that those Colts fans, the Colts contingent that was there, was very proud, very loud, and, and they were yeah. they were incredible. Yeah, that happens on a weekly basis, though. I mean, Colts fans yeah. travel yeah. well. I mean, yeah. they do. There's there's always Colts fans at road games. There's no question about can I, that. Can I also say, too, it's it's funny because like I think you always associate like the Steelers and the Packers with their fans traveling really well. But they have, like, some weird colors. Steelers fans, you show up, and it's like, oh, there's all this yellow here. Packers show up, oh, there's all this green. Colts show up, you're like, there's a lot of blue. But you're probably playing a blue team. Yeah. So you don't notice it as much. Like Tennessee, the Cowboys. Tennessee, the Cowboys, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, no question about it. Yeah, it's always fun to see folks on the road. And, uh, yeah, Larry, you get that a lot because you're on the field. But then when we're walking into the stadium or we're get, uh, grabbing a bite to eat, you know, by the hotel, we run into Colts fans. So, that, I mean, that was the case for us on – what was that, Sunday morning mm-hmm. at breakfast, so it was good to you know, chat up some Colts fans and always f- kind of find out where they're from and how they listen and engage and consume Colts football. So, also yeah. see my brother Matt Overton out on the yeah. field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. yeah, good to see him too. So, you know, I had the idea that this season so far for the Colts, it's like, it's like a car repair. You know, if, if the Colts have a car, the car needs an oil change, the Colts car needs new brake pads. It needs a tire rotation. It needs new spark plugs. It's, it's been driven, you know, over 100,000 miles this season. But the problem is, J.J., most people are on a budget, <laughs> and they can't afford to fix everything at once within that car, right? So with four games to play, J.J., what part of the Colts car needs the most attention heading into the offseason to kind of feel better about things and to keep this car humming, keep it on the road? To me, it's the turnovers. 
The Colts are Mm -hmm. averaging two turnovers per game and had a season-high five against the Dallas Cowboys. So the turnovers to me, J.J., those are like the engine of the car. This is the thing that's most broken, and if it doesn't get fixed, nothing else really matters. So the turnovers and the engine – Fix those things, and everything else is kind of ancillary. By the way, quick aside, this really hit home for me because this week I'm getting an oil change and new tires on my car. <laughs> I, so. I have to get an oil change great. as well. Uh, and I'm <laughs> buying a car because I the Oh, this be, is perfect. Yeah, it is. Yeah. This is great. It's just, you know, we're just going to turn this into car talk. Man, this um, is really adult. <laughs> it's car talk, but about the Colts. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, the, the turnovers are definitely the thing, but it's like, what's the root of that problem? And it's not one thing. I think that's what... You know, talking to guys after the game and hearing from Jeff Saturday, it's like if it was just one thing, if it was one person, one position group, you could say, "Yeah, okay, we'll go to the we'll go to the off season, we will fix that, and we'll be good next year." But it's not. Everyone has taken turns. I mean, Mo Ali Cox losing a fumble, like. I, the, yeah. The, Mo Ali Cox is not someone you expect to lose a fumble. Yeah, it's, it's but, Jonathan Taylor. Right, it's, it's the Jonathan wide receiver. It's, it's like, Michael Pittman Jr. Right. It's it's Matt Ryan. It's everybody it's that's taking the turn. Line. It's the offensive line. I mean, it, it, everyone has had a hand in this, and that makes no it— No pun intended. Not a hand yeah. in this. Nice. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, and, and like even on the interceptions, you can say, oh, Matt Ryan's thrown a lot of interceptions, but not all those interceptions are on Matt Ryan. Some of those are on— the offensive line or, you know, the running back for not getting the pass protection correct. Some of those are on the wide receivers for not running the proper depth in their routes. They're, all these things are intertwined when you turn the ball over 26 times in a season. And I think that is the most difficult challenge for this team going into next year is do you – because one part of it is you could say – Turnovers are somewhat based on luck. Like you don't expect Jonathan Taylor to fumble the ball as much as he did this year next year. You just you don't expect that because it's not in his NFL history to put the ball on the ground as much as he has. It's not in Matt Ryan's NFL history to throw as many interceptions as he has this year or fumble mm-hmm. as many times as he had this year. That is not in his DNA as an NFL player. So maybe part of that is the Colts have just had an avalanche of really bad luck. But the other part of it is are there things you can do to emphasize we are not on our details enough? I think that's something, Larry, in your conversation with Kylan Granson, um, you know, something I was talking about with Paris Campbell too, where it's like, I guess we can go back and, you know, really focus in on attention to detail and, you know, really make this an emphasis. But it's sort of like the Colts already do that mm-hmm. because every NFL team does that. Ball security is job security is like one of the first things you learn in the NFL. And it's, it's mind blowing that, this has been this much of an issue for a a team that, yes, has some young pieces, but for the most part has a pretty good amount of NFL experience on on this team that has not had these issues previously. Yeah, I'm with you guys on on issue number one. Like, I think we all agree in that it's it's turnovers. If if you have like if you happen to get like a like a bargain where you're able to find like a coupon on turnovers and add something else into it, you know, you get like a little package <laughs> deal if you can like you know address address two issues at once. You know, maybe something. Then I go vertical passing game as kind of the, the other area which yeah. you would address because there have been so many times where guys like Alec Pierce or Michael Pittman Jr. or got Ashton Doolin have risen. To Paris Campbell have risen to the occasion when you've taken shots down the field. You just haven't done it frequently enough for it to be as productive right. and as effective as you need it to be. But yeah, because I think also you're seeing how teams are targeting Michael Pittman Jr. and you're needing the other guys to step up around him. And Alec Pierce has certainly emerged after being relatively quiet the last few weeks. My God, that touchdown in Dallas. I mean, the biggest stage, that great defense that they have, Sunday Night Football, all those things. And, I mean, that contested catch in the end zone was just incredible. So really encouraged by what you're seeing. But I I wish offensively that we had seen more of a vertical passing game consistently this season. We actually got a great um, Twitter question, a mailbag uh, question submission uh, from listener Brian DeWitt. And this actually comes from his six-year-old son Kai and this is a a video submission we can't obviously play the video but we can play the audio and uh, this kind of goes right in line with what we're talking about right now what's wrong with the Colts car the biggest issues here's Kai what is the biggest problem with the Colts is it the offensive line or is it or is it because of the turnovers love the question 
right yeah, on right on job. money kai well done I, also i'm here that's for like awesome. video submission yeah. questions yeah, that i was love really this cool. it's great, great to see guys he was rocking the jt jersey uh-huh. too when he said yes, that he was. In, so shout thank out you, to kyle thank you kyle and brian dewitt that was yeah. great was it kyle or kai I think it's Kai. Kai. K- K-Y- oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Kai. Yeah, Kai. Kai. I want to make sure we get that right because yeah. that was a great video and a great question. So we really appreciate that. And and I think it goes along with the turnover discussion. Oh, I, mean, I to see. Me, no, K-Y-E. Yes, yeah. I, I inadvertently put an L in All there. good. Shout no, out Kai. Good. Yeah, Our guy, Kai. He's a good looking lad. Um, no, I mean, but, but 26 turnovers. Again, as we said, the Colts are averaging two turnovers per game. They've got eight in the last three games. No surprise they're 0-3, and, and and I've beaten this stat into the ground, and I apologize, but it just it's so painfully obvious. In four wins, four turnovers, and nine non-wins, 22 turnovers. That's not hard to understand, and like you said, J.J., it's, it's discouraging because the lack of ball security from just about everybody within that skill group. I mean, obviously, Matt Ryan leads the NFL in turnovers with 18. You know, every, I mean, every time he goes down on a sack, you're just kind of holding your breath. That, he, that the ball doesn't come out. And well, he doesn't turn and, the ball over. And it's sort of like, what's the root of the problem? Yeah. Right? Like that, I think this is a good question because what, what is the root of the problem? Is it the turnovers or is it poor play from, you know, the, in this case, the offensive line, but everyone else? Yeah. And I don't know. I think that's the thing is I don't know. I, w- when the Colts get to the end of this season and they take a really hard look at what went wrong, I think you'll find some more answers there. Because yeah. right now, it, during the season, you know, it's it's go, go, go. You're trying to game plan. You're trying to game plan. You can do you can do some self-scout, but, you know, it's not like the post-mortem process at the end of the season. Um, there are going to be some really hard conversations that are going to go on in this building I just after think this season. It's crazy to think. I mean, I mean, this is a rhetorical question, I guess. But, I mean, if the Colts have half the turnovers on the season. Yeah. I mean, if you go from 26 to 13. I mean, well, yeah, that's like I mean, what four or five more wins. I mean, at least at least three or four. The, that's mean, what, that's the, what I the came Colts up are. With. The Colts are one six and one when they have multiple turnovers in a game, and three and two when they don't. I mean, yeah. they're probably, you know, yeah. If you have multiple turnovers in a game, you don't really expect to win a lot of games. But if you have if you have just more of those games, or you only have one turnover, yeah, uh, you're probably looking at a team that's right around five hundred, if not slightly over. All right, let's go to quarterback. Is it is it time for a change at quarterback after Matt Ryan again continues to lead the NFL in interceptions and total turnovers? Lara, quarterbacks like power steering in a car. If you can't turn the wheel and drive the car, it's going to be hard to keep the car on the road. It's obviously been a very wild ride this year for the Colts at quarterback. It was Matt Ryan, then it was Sam Ellinger, back to Ryan. Nick Foles now the number two, at least as of Sunday night. Ellinger not dressed. He was inactive. Um, with four games left and, and the likelihood of not making the playoffs, Lara, what do you do at quarterback? I think you roll with Matt. Yeah. I, I really think that you do. I don't know. You really know who Nick Foles is, and, and you, you're you well-experienced enough, well-versed enough in what he gives you. And he came in to be the backup. I don't know that necessarily it's going to change a whole lot or going to give you much advantage or great benefit to put Nick Foles in there for any situation. If anything, I get the thought of giving Sam a little more experience and seeing what you've got in him, but I think you've inevitably reached a point where you know what you've got to do moving forward, and I think you give Matt the opportunity to close out the season and you know see what he can give you, see what he can bring. And then I also think for a lot of for, – for such a young offense, so many young pieces that you have young guys on the offensive line, young receivers, I think they can still benefit and grow and learn a lot from having a veteran yeah. like Matt Ryan to help set them up moving forward. I mean, here's the other part of it. The most popular player on every losing team is the backup quarterback. That's just that it's it's why you're always going to hear about when a team is losing, should they change quarterbacks? Because not because, every, you know, it's, oh, well, let's just see what the backup can do. That's, it's honestly, I, I went through it a lot in Chicago. <laughs> where the Bears had a lot of quarterback issues when I covered that team, and it it, it doesn't always work out. It, seeing what the backup can do does not always work out. I mean, the Colts did it. They, they saw what Sam Ellinger can do, and, you know, to Sam's credit, he battled hard, but the, the Colts got stomped by the Patriots in that second game, and then they went back to Matt Ryan. So I, I think you ride with Matt Ryan for a lot of what Lara said, that, you know, that veteran presence that he has – 
that's important for a guy like Alec Pierce, for a guy like Jelani Woods, um, you know, to have that that 14-year veteran back there who can keep everything on the tracks, even if the results are not where you want it to be. And then the other part of it is, I mean, when the Colts traded for Matt Ryan, they did make a two-year commitment to him. So if you're if you're benching Matt Ryan for good, what does next year look like? I mean, I, I think your best case scenario is that Matt Ryan comes think, out of, comes yeah. out of the bye and he he plays well down the stretch, and you can go into 2023 with him as a a strong option to be your starting quarterback. I think that's your best case scenario down the stretch. I I I think it is a little bit different because you are sitting here with this late bye and you are four eight and one, and I'm going to play devil's advocate just for the sake of doing it on the show because you only have four games left and you are where you are record wise. I mean, listen, it's it's easy to wonder if the Colts are going to go into evaluation mode, but Jeff Saturday said on Monday that's not the goal. He said the final four games are, are still going to be about playing guys that give the Colts the best mm-hmm. chance to win, but I'm not so sure that some of these moves might do both if you go to Sam Ellinger, and that would allow you to evaluate him, and I think also maybe at this point of the season he might also give you the best chance to win considering – you've lost six of the last seven games. Yeah. It's tough right now. I mean, if, if, if Matt Ryan, uh, unfortunately within this offense, just is, uh, is not able to produce and the turnovers are continuing to be prevalent, I think you kind of go back to that idea of you, you see where you are and, and you see what you have in Sam and where he factors into the equation of how urgent you need to be in the offseason and getting the franchise quarterback of the future. I am intrigued, too, when you look at the situation – in because okay the two games that Sam started it was Washington at home and then you had on the road at New England and then at New England remember there was that rotation on the offensive line throughout the course of that game that they were battling as well it would be interesting to see what Sam can do now with having that offensive line seemingly established with mm-hmm. what they've been able to do in these in these last few games that's intriguing to me right there that that situation in particular but you know Washington uh you know that a very a very winnable game that right. should should have been another one that right. that And again so from a devil's advocate standpoint I'm not sure if 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 two games is completely enough to really tell you yeah, what agree. you have in Sam Ellinger yeah. and whether or not he can be a starting quarterback or a viable backup quarterback in the future you know maybe you treat these final four games as if let's again let's see where Sam Ellinger factors into that equation at quarterback and how much urgency we need to have in the offseason to get you know the the guy in here wherever and however that comes to fruition but I, I think you're also you're the, it's a slippery slope and this is nothing to do oh there's no doubt about specifically that. with Sam here but if you make that move just to a, a young and inexperienced quarterback are you potentially sacrificing some of the development of Alec Pierce and Jelani Woods and some of the other guys in this offense? This is not a comment on Sam because I I think Sam has some good qualities to him as a quarterback that you maybe wouldn't be making as big of a trade-off there. But a lot of teams, when you get to this point in the season and you say, all right, we're just going to play the young guy, I mean, that that might not always be the best thing for the entire team. It might be the best thing to silo off and figure out at quarterback, but the other guys on the team – that might not be the best thing for them. Well, that's a good transition. Let's talk about Colts tight ends. Is it is it time to see, you know, if we're making that analogy in the car, is it time to see more of Jelani Woods over other tight ends? Spark plugs, is, is Jelani Woods the spark plug that the Colts offense needs? Because the Colts tight ends have been a very up-and-down group this season. You know, some big games, and then you don't hear from them for a while. Mo Cox, as we said, lost that fumble on that tight end screen. Some of that's due to injury as well with, like, J- yeah. the Jelani situation. Jelani himself. You know, that's yeah. that's right. one of the situations. But since he's come back to, with yeah. that shoulder, right, in the last two games, yeah. 10 catches, 126 yards the last couple of times out. I mean, I mean, Woods, to me, has playmaking ability. He's an athlete. He's fast. He's big. He can make big plays, chunk plays. He's got a lot of talent and a lot of upside. He also and, has a presence. Like he yeah, doesn't he does. have right. like he came in with a thing about just a Kansas City game, like alone. He doesn't have that kind of like awestruck nature sometimes that rookies can have early in their mm-hmm. careers. And when I asked Jelani about, you know, the point to which he'd been able to have so much success early on in the season and if he envisioned that he would have the type of production he had, he said, Yeah, 
Absolutely. That's why I'm here. That's why I was drafted here. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Matt and I've been. And it wasn't like this. Oh, you know, no, I you couldn't have imagined it. it. He totally owned it. That that's his role. That's how he wants to be utilized. So I, I love it. He's very bold. He's very confident. And I do think he brings a bit of swagger in a very good way mm-hmm. to this offense. Yeah, I I totally agree. And and on getting him on the field more. I do think last week he, he missed two practices. Um, he had a couple, you know, he was a little bit banged up after that Steelers game. So he, he missed two of the three practices last week. I'm guessing that's probably why you didn't see him out there as much. He only played 15 snaps, 21% of the Colts offensive snaps. That was his lowest rate since week two of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you'll probably see him, especially after the bye, get a little bit healed up. You know, it, no one's 100% at this point. No one will be 100% coming off the bye. But, um, you know, you'll probably see him get a little bit higher share of the snaps. And yeah, I mean, I, part of it, part of it is he still has to earn it. I mean, I, I think it's, it's easy to say at this point of the season, again, this goes for all positions. Yeah, I just throw the young guys in there, but like they still have to earn it. I mean, you can't tell some of the veterans on this team, you know, all right, well, we're just going to play the young guys and see how they do. If they're seeing them in practice every day and they're like, they're not ready for this. So Jelani still has to continue to earn it, but I absolutely agree with Lara that that playmaking trait that he has, it's sort of like that it factor for skill position players. And it's like, yeah, I think Jelani's got it. Yeah. And he's not, I mean, he's not on the level of like a Jack Doyle right now in terms of a, a blocker in the running game. No. I don't think anyone but, is. Well, no, no, and that's just not on this team. No, but I, but I think that NFL. he can turn into a good blocking tight end, especially in right. on interior runs for the Colts in their zone running game. I, I don't think he's afraid of contact. I Mm-mm. think he's a willing blocker. I mean, that, that dates all the way back to the start of training camp. I saw that. Now he's not on that level yet, but he's got that in him where he wants to be good at that aspect of his game. So maybe you try to develop that part of his game this last month going into the offseason. And that's something I asked Mo Ali cox about when I had him in studio last week was – how interesting it is and how high the ceiling is for this group of tight ends because it's not a group that has really played the tight end position that long. When you look at Kylan converted from wide receiver, Jelani converted from a quarterback to a tight end in college, Drew Ogletree, I'm going to throw into that mix as well, mm-hmm. right. wide receiver to tight end. Now, you know, Mo, of course, you know, we've, we've covered it well, college basketball player to tight end, and the time it's taken him and the, the seasons and the study and, you know, his body and all the investment that he's made. So it, he said the, the sky is the limit. There is no ceiling on what this group can do because they are still really figuring out this position at the NFL level. All right, that's a good uh, conversation there on Jelani Woods. It kind of morphs into the next part of the podcast here segment-wise. Let's talk about rookie growth rookie progress reports because 13 games in the Colts have played 75 percent of the season four games left where do some of the Colts rookies stand in terms of development progress and roles for the remainder of this season and what they can be next season in 2023 in their uh, sophomore campaigns we talked about Jelani Woods there in in kind of a different context but J.J. Bernard Ryman at left tackle I think he's been pretty good. He started the last five Mm -hmm. games, hasn't missed a snap in that time. 12 games total on the season in terms of participation. He's allowed four sacks. He's committed five penalties. He's obviously had some growing pains, but I think he's done a nice job. I think there's more positive than growing pains. That's certainly been there, but I think he's going to be able to continue to stack good performances on top of one another with four games left. And situational football, I think, is his biggest development right now or where he needs to improve the most. But by and large, a third-round pick that's still relatively new to football and Mm -hmm. playing left tackle, all things considered, I think he's done a nice job, and I think he's shown enough to be, you know, for the Colts to be optimistic about him being the cornerstone left tackle of the future along that offensive line. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, You know, and, and he still is a rookie, so we need to we need to make sure that we acknowledge that in this conversation. Like it's not perfect from Bernard Ryman. There is a play against Dallas where uh, he tried to set against Demarcus Lawrence, and Demarcus Lawrence, who's been in the NFL for a decade, got his hands on him first and shoved him over. The, those plays are going to happen to any rookie left tackle. I don't care if you're Charles Cross in Seattle as a first-round pick or Bernard Ryman in Indianapolis as a third-round pick. They're going to happen when you're facing veteran pass rushers. But for the most part, 
Bernard's been good. I thought, you know, again, it was like last week against the Steelers. He handled Alex Highsmith, who's a double-digit sack guy, pretty well in that game. There was the one play at the end of the game where Highsmith got him. I think that goes to your point, Matt, about situational football. In this game, Micah Parsons didn't I, – I didn't notice Micah Parsons when he was lined up against Bernard Ryman. Yeah. And I, I went back and I watched the film, and, and Bernard did a good job against Micah Parsons, who is second in the NFL in sacks. He did, for the most part, a good job against Demarcus Lawrence. He didn't allow a quarterback hit uh, when either of those guys were rushing the passer against him, against the Cowboys. So – that's a good test. He had a good test against Chandler Jones back in Week 10. Again, a veteran pass rusher. Maybe he doesn't have the production he's used to this year, but a veteran pass rusher. Good test in Week 11 against that Eagles, and he's getting to face some really good edge rushers. Oh, yeah. Uh, veterans over the last couple of weeks, and he's held his own. And then the run game, Bernard's been really good in the run game all year long. That is a, a, an area of his game that looks like it can be a strength if the pass pro comes along yeah, I absolutely think next year you can go into the season. Now, I don't know if you're going to go into the season saying there's no competition, but I think he is your incumbent, and you feel good about where he is as your incumbent going into next year. I brought this up last week in a conversation with one of the writers for or reporter NFL Network reporter for the Dallas Cowboys in that think about just a year ago. I mean, Bernard Ryman was playing in the MAC. Like, you were preparing for Ball State and, whoa, and whoa, Eastern whoa, whoa, Michigan. Whoa. And, I mean, okay, it's a lot different than <laughs> Ryan Kelly playing at Alabama and Quentin Nelson yeah. playing at Notre, Notre Dame, Dame. No, know, and Braden Smith playing at Auburn. I mean, that's a huge leap when you go from the MAC to then facing Demarcus Lawrence in your rookie season. I mean, it, it is. there. It's going to take growth, and I do think that Bernard has shown a huge upside in particular in this latter stretch of games that we have seen from him. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just a significant – factor you know to account for the guys that you're going up against I mean the guys on the Akron defensive line aren't looking anything like the Dallas Cowboys the zips are pretty good up front now (laughs) but but here's here's the other thing though is that Bernard now will get a full offseason in the Colts strength and conditioning program that's where it is right that that is going to be critical and I and again this is the case for every NFL rookie tackle where the 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 you might face some athletes here and there well, you know, yes, in the MAC, probably more so in the SEC. Um, but y- you know, you're not going to face the strength, the like that. Like I've been in the NFL ten years, grown man strength that you're facing now right. in the NFL level, and, and that is and that football savviness and right. IQ that those guys might have on Ryman. Whereas right. Ryman's played twelve games, and to your point, Demarcus Lawrence has like, played twelve years, right? Almost. So yeah, and you know, learning on how to get your hands on those guys first. And just getting, you know, honing your technique. Right. Um, but you're seeing Bernard do enough good things that, again, you feel good about him as your incumbent going into next yeah. year. I think the Colts are doing the right thing. Letting him be the guy, letting him grow. These last four games are really, really big for him, important as a jump start for him heading into the offseason. And I think he's going to take this is a prediction that I have. I think he's going to take the biggest jump from year one to year number two among these rookies within this rookie class. And I think you know that kind of starts uh, this week with a week off around the bye. Uh, Larry, you talked about the vertical passing game. And the biggest piece in that vertical passing game this year for the Colts is Alec Pierce. He ranks fifth in the NFL in receiving yards among rookies. He also has six catches over 30 and owns the three longest catches this season on the year for the Colts, over 40 yards. He had a 45-yarder against the Cowboys. He's got two touchdowns on the season. He's not afraid to go up after those 50, or uh, go after, I should say, those 50-50 balls. He makes contested catches against veteran cornerbacks in this league already. Is Pierce contending to be the Colts' top target next season? Can he take that jump? In the final four games, Lara. Absolutely, he can. One of the things that's interesting about Alec Pierce is it's almost the more difficult the catch, the more accurate he is with it. It's almost the better it is when he's wide open. Yeah. You have seen you know, some some stumbles here and there, but then in the situations where it's contested and he's got to go you know, battle for a ball, he's there. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I d- certainly think that he can. I love moving forward the vision that you can have with Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce together as well with the complement of Paris Campbell and the speed the elusiveness that Paris has also I'm really interested in 
seeing what this team does with the head coaching position moving forward and the offensive mindset that you're going to build with whatever they decide to do, Mm -hmm. you know, moving forward at at quarterback and what that offensive identity is going to be. But yeah, I, I think certainly that you need a one, two balance. You need that one, two combination. And that's something that you didn't get as much, you know, in the last two years with T.Y. Hilton just due to injury. So I think that this is a great thing for Michael Pittman as well to have that other complement within this offense. Yeah, I mean, Alec is the outside the numbers ball winner and Pitt is between the numbers ball Mm -hmm. winner. And that's a really good compliment. And they can do both. You know, Mm -hmm. Pitt can win outside the numbers. We've seen it. Alec can win uh, inside the numbers too. All right, let me throw out two, two blind sets of numbers for you guys. This is rookie wide receivers. Player number one, 13 games, 49 targets, 27 receptions, no touchdowns, uh, 345 yards. Player two, four, uh, 12 games, 60 targets, 32 receptions, 510 yards, two touchdowns. Those two numbers, the first one was Reggie Wayne. The oh. second one is Alec Pierce. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. And Reggie, we, I, I caught up with him last week to talk about Alec. And he was basically like, you got to learn, and Alec understands this, that you're not, as a rookie, you're not the number one target. You're not even the number two guy on this offense. And he said, Alec understands that. He understands that there are going to be times, there are going to be stretches where the ball doesn't come your way. And he's like, I had to learn that. And he said, that's really where the rookie learning curve is for a mm-hmm. lot of these guys. Because Reggie came in, he's a first-round pick, he was a star at Miami, and he comes in and he's behind Edron James and Marvin Harrison on the pecking order. Right. And he was like, I had to pick up the scraps my first couple years in the league. And Alec is behind Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor on the Colts' pecking order. And it's not that he's picking up the scraps because they, I mean, they certainly devise plays to go to him, but he's he's doing a good job of, you know, he has that lull where from, you know, weeks uh, 9 to 12, you know, Alec w- really wasn't very involved. Four catches, 51 yards in that stretch. Yeah, you're switching but, quarterbacks right. in. But then, but then he goes out and he has four for 86 and a touchdown against the Cowboys because he kept his play at a high level. In getting to know Alec more and more, I also think he kind of feasts on that in the sense mm-hmm. that he's a guy who cut his teeth in college, like playing special teams, was almost yeah. a, was almost a linebacker before yeah. deciding to play wide receiver. So I do think that that's part of he, he doesn't always have to have the ball in his hands to contribute to this team and to find value in this yep. team and to right. love being a part of it. And I think that he's just also a fantastic teammate yep. in addition to just being a stellar talent. And and that's something Reggie told me real quick that yeah. when he when he looks at the film, he you know he's like you know if if you don't get the ball on the play, we still see what you're doing. And he said what he saw Alec do in that four game stretch where he wasn't getting the ball much was still very encouraging. That Alec was still on his assignments, he was running his routes properly, he was getting good releases. The ball wasn't coming his way, but when the ball was going to come his way, he knew Alec was going to make plays like he did on Sunday. And I think what he's doing and what he gives you is so important for the Colts because right now I think Pierce is the target that probably puts the most stress on Mm -hmm. the defense in Mm -hmm. the passing game because he's really the only player that the Colts have right now that they are attempting to push the ball down the field with. You know, it's been well chronicled. We've we've talked about the vertical passing game, but Pierce is your guy on those 50-50 balls, contested catches in the red zone. We saw that in the touchdown against the Cowboys. you got to be able to hit more of those shots in the NFL because it's hard to move the ball. I mean, obviously the the Colts have displayed that this year. It's hard to move the ball down the field in 10-12 play drives, getting four or five first downs per drive. I mean, the most successful teams in the league – get chunk plays en route to scoring touchdowns and putting up, you know, routinely 30 points per game in some of these more explosive offenses in this league. So yeah, that and the, and you also get safeties to back off, which helps in the run game. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it all works hand in hand. All right, let's go our last one. Nick Cross, Lara. He's only played two defensive snaps since week two. He was the starter. He was the guy in yeah. training camp. Those first two games, he was the guy against Houston and Jacksonville. But since then, he's been relegated to just basically special teams duty since then, where does Nick Cross factor into next season as a rookie 75% 
uh, of the way through his rookie season. I don't think I have enough base of knowledge to tell you right now with what we know. I, I'm I'm intrigued. I think he is certainly one who, when you looked at the tape, when you looked at why the Colts were infatuated with him in the draft process, you got it. So to have seen his role so drastically decline this season is it's a bit baffling and remember perhaps? and remember the Colts moved up big time to get him yeah in the, in the, in third, the, draft, round. In the yeah. third round I, I do think that here's another part this is all what scheme are you going to have defensively does mm-hmm. Gus Bradley remain the offensive coordinator does D- Gus Bradley get a shot to become your head coach yeah. is this going to be the same defense you have moving forward because I think that that has great implications for the future of a guy like Nick Cross and and his play and where you know he is going to be and how he's going to be valued because we, we've heard guys talk about the difficulty in transitioning their specialties to this defense. Kenny Moore was really honest with me about kind of how difficult it's been for him to have as much of a role just because of how different it is in particular for him. I, I think that he certainly has a huge upside. Uh, there are a lot of things that you like about Nick Cross. Like, you know, we, we talk about the, the get off the bus test, you know, the eye test Uh like that guy steps off the bus and it's like yeah football player for sure I think that it's going to be a big test this offseason and how he grows and how he embraces his rookie year and utilizes an opportunity to to grow from this and to see how opportunities escalated for a guy like Rodney Thomas and you know obviously playing in compliment to Julian Blackman and Rodney McLeod my God, what a yeah. win that has been yeah. for the Colts this year, bringing him in. And so I think it, this will be a big test for Nick Cross and how he embraces the position that he's in and uses the guys around him. So two two things to kind of hone in on here. The first is, Larry, you mentioned it. Roddy McLeod Jr. has been awesome this year. Against the run, he's been one of the best like run-defending safeties mm-hmm. in the NFL. His ability to get down into the box and know exactly what to do on his assignment – play behind that defensive line, play in tandem with the linebackers has been great. So it's not like Nick Cross is not playing over just some guy. He's not playing because Ron McLeod's playing really, really well. Mm -hmm. The other thing, Nick Cross turned 21 a day before the season started. He is still a very young football player, which is really important to note here. But on that same note, so Nick Cross gets demoted out of the defense Bubba Ventrone says, hey, I need you on special teams. We need your skill set on special teams. Do you want to know the highest graded player on Pro Football Focus on special teams is on the Colts this year? It is Nick Cross. Yeah, interesting. 84.9 special teams grade. Whatever, Who cares whatever you think about these grades? That's 21st in the NFL. And Nick Cross has consistently been among the Colts' core special teamers this year. That is not an easy thing for someone to take who has pretty much been a starter his whole career and who starts the season as a starting safety, who is a young football player at the age of 21 to be told, we need you to go do the dirty work on special teams. Yeah. And Nick Cross has not only done it, he's done it at a very high level Credit to him for the maturity and it quietly. takes to do that. And like quietly. Nick, Nick is one of those two. You yep. see him, you you know, you engage with him around here, and he is very much like locked in. It's yep. I don't get the sense at all that he has been vocal or you know has had any sort of discontentment yep. with anyone yeah. regarding this situation. He just like he literally puts his head down. No, and he hasn't works. been squawking. Right, no. you haven't heard anything from that yep. regard. Nick Cross, you know? Nick Cross leads the Colts with eight special teams tackles this year. Just for the sake of, of doing it for the for the show, I mean, devil's advocate again, and I'll throw it to both of you with four games left. And you talked about, and I agree with you, Rodney McLeod's been very, very good, uh, a very solid free agent pickup. He's going to be a free agent again, though, in the upcoming offseason. Do, do you throw Cross in there to get him more run and have a better evaluation Primarily mentally, because that's been the problem, right? I mean, that's oh. that was to a degree why Rodney Thomas was able to kind of leapfrog him into the starting lineup or play a lot more within the defense, at least rotationally. Do you, do you throw Cross in there in these last four games to see where you are in terms of evaluation going into the off season? I don't know. I mean, again, he's got to earn it. You know, I don't think you can go in and tell those dudes on this defense that. All right, we're just going to throw the young guy in there. When again, they see it in practice. It has, it has nothing to do with your play. If right, you're, if you're exactly. a guy like Rodney McLeod, yeah, right. You know, and yeah, I mean, especially for a guy like Rodney McLeod who has earned this opportunity. Um, I don't know how you go to him and you say, "Hey, man, we're playing the young guy." 
you know, when, when he's played at such a high level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rodney McLeod probably has extended his NFL career by a year or two because of this season. Yeah. I mean, that that's just the fact of it that you got a guy who's been in the league for 10 years who's playing at a high level. Someone's going to go pick up Rodney McLeod. If it's not, if he doesn't stay here in Indianapolis, he's going to go somewhere else next yeah. year and probably be a starter. And he's handled himself very well. Yeah. Very professional, right? right? Because he was the number two guy all of training camp. Yep. Probably didn't think he should have been, but you didn't, you never heard him say that. Right. I mean, just assuming. I mean, with his competitive edge, I mean, we all have that. I mean, as as you know, every Colts player has you know the thinking that they're going to be in the starting lineup or they should be. So yeah, great discussion right there. That kind of puts a bow on the Colts talk this week as the Colts head into the bye. A look at car troubles. We called AAA on the Colts car. <laughs> <laughs> it was broken down on the side of the road there. So we got the Hoosier helper pulling the the, uh, the Colts car into Midas. Um, we've talked about the rookie report. JJ, I tasked Lara this week with the random thought <laughs> of the it. week. So now it's Lara's random thought of the week. I have not felt more pressure about anything <laughs> yeah. in such a long time. Okay, so we're headed, headed in the bye week. It's the holiday season, so I wanted to do something kind of holiday related. You guys have all heard people talk about, you know, your your spirit animal. Like, you know, what is your, your spirit animal? Okay. So I combined the holidays and the spirit animal with the thought of if there were a holiday movie character that would be your spirit animal, <laughs> who would it be? Oh, my oh gosh. that's really good. Oh, my gosh. Okay, really so good. I can Man. lead this because I've Man. obviously had more time. You guys are getting this, so so for everyone listening, I thought of this just last night. This These is guys, fresh. This is the first they are hearing of it. So yeah. mine would be part Kevin McAllister from Home Alone and part Buddy the Elf from the movie Elf. Okay, So I'm part Kevin McAllister because I grossly overestimate my independence and my ability to like be self-sufficient. Okay, And I totally I have to fail at things or struggle with things before I realize how much I appreciate the people around me mainly my family because I take (laughs) take them for granted all the time. And then I'm also Buddy the Elf because I'm so easily excitable and I can really, I can really quickly, I get jacked up and I will go like all (laughs) into something. And I have like a bit of like reckless abandonment where I'm just like forging ahead. Like, you know, I get excited and I am darting across the street and I'm doing the hopscotch to get there. And then, you know, the the yellow ones don't stop. You got to double back. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, you walk into the diner. Congratulations. You've done it. World's best cup of coffee. Like I'm, you know, I'm overly caffeinated. Like how buddy is about like candy cane candy corn like all those things that's like you know what what are your favorite food groups like it's mm. coffee it's diet coke and it's chocolate and it's like oh is there caffeine in those things then yes so yeah that's me um man i'm gonna this is a complete stretch here right i'm a combination of cousin eddie yeah <laughs> cousin Thank eddie you. because like i'm just kind of i do my own thing i've got a unique personality i'm an acquired taste so I'm a combination of Cousin Eddie, and then this is a throwback. I don't know if you guys will pick this one up because it's Claymation. Half combo of Cousin Eddie, half combination of Yukon Cornelius. Remember him? Is that like the... the he's from uh, he's the, part of the Claymation uh, cast of characters from Rudolph. Oh, I remember Rudolph. Remember is he like the snow guy? He's, like... he's the guy that's like helping Rudolph in a, okay. uh, in a pinch. Oh, you know? yeah. So okay, like, got you know, it now. But he's, yes. he's going to be a helping hand. He's going to be oh. there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's a complete... Wow. I'm making up that up as on the fly here. I so like I know that. that's a really yes. crappy answer. But that's very, no, it's very specific. Yes. I love this. Yeah, but I, I combined two different characters that immediately came to mind there. Yukon Cornelius, Google. I'm Googling it right now. <laughs> Jace, what are so, you? So, all right. So, I, I've i only had a couple minutes to think about this. Right. But oh, oh, okay. I, I believe Yukon you Cornelius. I've got him. Yeah, yeah he kind of, you know what's funny is he kind of looks like a ge- uh, guy that's probably like served you a beer at like, uh, yeah. like uh, <laughs> at you know. hockey talk. Well, I was just going to say like or in that, a micro brew, like, you know, no, it's really a, it's specific. A cabin like in it's the a, middle of the woods a, with well, an I was ongoing say, fire. Like, this guy definitely likes a hoppy IPA, you know. Okay. No, he's got a case of Miller Light in his garage fridge. That's Yukon Cornelius. Jace, what you got? All right. I'm going to go with uh, Rizzo the Rat from A Muppet Christmas Carol <laughs> because I'm helping chronicle the story, but I'm also falling into things all the time. <laughs> I've got to look up Rizzo the Rat. Rizzo, nicely done. There, there, that's that's a Nietzsche uh, character Hilarious. there around the holidays. Uh, Muppet Christmas Carol is the best Christmas movie. That's my It's been a while since take. I've seen uh, it, but so yeah. So good. Yep. So good. All right. Because Michael Caine plays Scrooge like so straight. He, he Apparently, he took the role of playing Scrooge 
in a Muppet movie only if he could play it like he was playing it for like a legitimate theater. Like it was incredible. And it, and like it's all the Muppets just being the Muppets around him and he's playing it like it is a real yeah. like he's going for the Oscar. It's so good. It's so good. He's uh, he's so good in it. It w- works so perfectly. It's one of my favorite movies. There you go. Michael came circa what, 1988 when that came out? 1992. Can, right. I, can I throw a random thought in here? Please. Just before we get out That's of here. That's what we're here for. Um, so my, my late mentor, John Moon Mullen, on the Chicago Bears beat, uh, every time we hit the bye week on the podcast I did with him, he would always go on this rant, so I'm going to honor him with this rant. It's not the bye week. It's an off week. The bye week is something you earn. You earn a bye by being good and making the playoffs and earning a first-round bye. A buy implies you don't have to play because you earned it. An off week, this is just the off week. It's part of the schedule. It's mm. not the bye week. It's the off mm. week. Well, the schedule says bye. Yeah, and he's really just... fighting to change that. I know. Like to the point where we were in. He, sounds like we were... he just hates NSYNC. <laughs> we <were> I mean, <laughs> what did J.C. Chazé oh, do yeah. to him? Uh, what the we were, <laughs> it, this is to the point that we were in. We were in. I think it was Ryan Pace's <laughs> Now, <laughs> sorry. We're in Ryan Pace's office, and he's on on the schedule. Ryan had a magnetic schedule up, and one of them said bye week. And I was like, Ryan, you got to take that down because Moon's going to come in here, and Moon's going to yell at you about it. Man, pet peeve city, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess we all have our things, though. So that's up there. All right. That was a thing. Well done. All right, Lara, you're going to be talking about the off week this week <laughs> on uh, on 360, yes? Yeah, yeah, All right, What do you am. got on the show this week? Uh, we have uh, interim head coach Jeff Saturday talking about his directive to the guys as they all kind of go their separate ways and enjoy some time off. Mm-hmm. It is very much not a week off, I'll tell you that. he As much as he wants guys to right. take care of their bodies, they're not checked it's out. Not a He's, buy. Exactly. Not a buy. Exactly. Um, and then we have a fantastic conversation, you and I, Matt, with our Walter Payton Man of the Year honoree. Mm-hmm. Shaquille Leonard, yeah. wonderful conversation with him in which he touches on uh, his involvement within the community, where that desire comes from to have such a, you know, a servant mindset and such an investment in giving back. And then he also updates us on the progress in his rehab mm-hmm. and, and where he is yeah. moving forward. And the frustration that the frustration, you know, 2022 yeah. has, has been, been for hard. him on and off the field, this right? This has been hard. Yeah. It has been for him. All so right. really appreciate him. But yeah, special little bi-week edition. And then, you know, it's a quick week coming back because we got a little Saturday game, a little Saturday I like afternoon. It. I, I like it. love it. I like it a lot. I, I'm excited for that uh, Minnesota game for yeah. sure. Saturday, 1 o'clock, by the way, yep. December 17th, yep. right? Correct. So, yeah, it was either going to be the 17th or 18th, so it, it is Saturday, December 17th. Colts at Vikings, 1 o'clock Eastern time on a Saturday afternoon. That game's going to be uh, broadcasted TV-wise on the NFL Network, and then you can watch it locally uh, in the central Indiana area on Fox 59. So if you don't get the Nash- or the um, NFL Network, you're uh, taken care of locally. J.J., what are you writing about going into the off week? So you can go uh, – thank you. You can go read about Shaquille Leonard uh, and mm-hmm. him being the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Um, had a chance to talk with – you know, some of his teammates, but also uh, had a really interesting conversation with Patrick Moore, who's the band director of South Carolina State's marching oh, band. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, just about how Shaquille invited the the South Carolina State marching band to Indianapolis, uh, gave them a $20,000 donation, surprised them with that. Those back And in week covered three. all their travel covered, costs to right, get here. Right, it was here. all expenses yeah. paid. Wow. Um, but just the, the impact, I, I included it in the story, just the impact that Shaquille still has at South Carolina State, because we know... The impact he has in Lakeview, South Carolina, his hometown, and in Indianapolis, it's really, really incredible. One quick thing can I tell you guys, just back to Dallas really quickly, something I forgot to mention. Do you know who I got to meet on the field pregame? Uh, Lee, Craig, Lee Greenwood. Craig Nelson, the father of one Quentin Nelson. <laughs> oh, nice. oh, yeah. And he is as awesome as you think he'd be and even better. Yeah, it I've, was, I've, uh, oh. Lee Greenwood was there too, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, he, he's not Craig Nelson. <laughs> I've seen, okay, he can't take complete, responsibility for Quentin complete Nelson. Complete tangent so, here. Yeah. So I've been on the you know with oh, the Colts yeah, for 11 years here, and I literally have seen, I counted it in my head, I've seen Lee Greenwood eight times <laughs> sing his song. <laughs> And his song is what, is, what does he say? What, it's it's a, proud to be American. Proud to be an American. What if Lee Greenwood just came American. out and he, he started singing like one of his other songs? How I, don't, I don't think react? he has any, man. No, I'm sure I don't Lee think Greenwood he has, has recorded more than one <laughs> I song. I don't know of any, though. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, Great guy, I'm sure. But, man, I've, I'm Lee Greenwood out. I really am. But. Also, um, speaking of things that are silly, 
Uh, I'm finally running that story on Colts.com about oh, what yes. what sport would Colts players play if oh, American nice. football never existed. That's going to go up on Tuesday. Um, had a lot of fun with it. Got some crap from Ryan Kelly about it, which is included in there. Nice. Uh, really stressed out Jonathan Taylor in it, which I feel kind of bad about. Wait, Jonathan like, Taylor overthought something. Come on. Of course he did. Yeah. Like, that's how he, 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 will, he, he there's no quick answers. He is like re- fully cerebral in anything. Really, really <laughs> overthought it. Um, but it was great. It was, a, it was a fun story to do. Uh, What's the know, most obscure response you got? Stefan Gilmore saying tennis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His wow. wife, Gabby Gilmore, is, yeah. is a big tennis player as wow. well. Their kids are kind yeah. of tennis, but, tennis so a little a little peek into it. Um, it's essentially like player's response, and then it's our conversation just transcribed, basically. And Stefan's is the shortest. Stefan says, I'd probably say tennis. Me. Why tennis? Stefan. It's one-on-one. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I don't need Perfect. I, was, I literally shut player. up our corner. I was like, that's, that's so good, answer. dude. Like, thank you. That was <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. And then we talked a little bit more about how he's got his kids into tennis and yeah. how, you know, it's a difficult sport to get into, you know, if you, you know, because it costs a lot of money and it's, mm-hmm. you know, you do a lot of training, but... Um, I love that one, and you know some other good ones. Got Matt. I was trying to get Matt Ryan to say golf. Like Matt Ryan's a scratch golfer, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was like, "You're the best golfer on the team." And he's like, "Ah, there's a big difference between being a professional golfer and being a you know right. you know scratch golfer." And I was like, "Okay." And then he picked baseball, and then he mimicked Derek Jeter's jump throw as he was leaving the locker room. Nice. Oh, I love it. So I yeah. bet he could throw a wicked slider, man. For sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, he, he said can... he would play middle infield, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe he comes in like in the eighth or ninth inning when his team's down by like six runs and they don't have to burn the bullpen. Matt Ryan yeah, could see, get the job when, done when they there. do that in baseball now, the guys throw at 40 miles an hour. It's the dumbest thing ever. That's a stupid rant that no one wants to listen to. <laughs> uh, We've got a lot of time in this offseason for baseball. Oh, yeah. No one has time yeah. for baseball. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile audio-wise, Colts Roundtable live from last night. We've got daily updates. We're going to uh, have that conversation with Shaquille Leonard on one of the updates, and then we'll have it on Friday night as well in full on Colts Happy Hour. Inside football this week with Rick Venturi. Uh, that's going to take a, a full snapshot of where the Colts are at right now. 13 games in, kind of Rick's thoughts for the last four games of the season. So a lot to uh, consume this week, as always, audio-wise on the Colts Audio Network. Guys, enjoy the rest of your bye week. Lara, send us some pics from the beach. You got enjoy it. Enjoy yourself. Thank you. Thank uh, JJ, enjoy those Costco Should tires. Should I send you some pics from the Costco tire <laughs> shop? <laughs> Let us know how the oh, coffee is. Oh, what a great vacation. <laughs> hey, man, you got to do what you got to do. This is the time to do it with a... Uh, with no game coming up this weekend for the Colts. And so we will talk all about uh, the fallout from the week off and then get you set and ready to go next week when we come back next Tuesday, getting you ready for Saturday afternoon football between the Colts and the Vikings. For Lair Overton, J.J. Stangovitz, I'm Matt Taylor. This is the official Colts podcast brought to you by WinBet, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much for following.